COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. Symptoms of this respiratory disease include fever, cough, and sharpness of breath. These symptoms may show up 2 to 14 days after exposure. If you're experiencing these symptoms and have come in contact with or in an area with an ongoing outbreak, please call a hotline and or consult a physician. Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces. For more information, please visit cdc.gov COVID-19. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the I Am Cannabis Sativa podcast. I'm your host, Dan Scotland. If you're currently a medical marijuana patient and want to tell your story and be featured on the podcast, feel free to email me at IamCannabisSativa at gmail.com. Feel free to hit me up on Instagram at IamCannabisSativa, both S's. Feel free to check out our official Twitter account at IC Sativa Pod. You can find and subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor.fm, Overcast, Radio Republic, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and the Google Play Music Store. Please rate and review us on iTunes as rating and reviewing us will bump up the pod on their algorithm and put this podcast in front of even more eyeballs. If you like what we are doing, please become a Patreon supporter of the podcast and support us. Supporting us helps us keep the lights on, pay rent, pay for hosting, equipment, and travel. And you can do this by going to https colon slash slash anchor.fm slash I am cannabis sativa podcast slash support. You can also support me now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash IC sativa podcast. You can support the podcast for as little as $1 a month. We also have $5 and above tiers if you're feeling extra generous. And a special thanks goes out to our current Patreons and supporters. Shout out to our friends of the show, Reefer Revolution, for supporting the podcast. Shout out also to Joey One Love 420, also a friend of the show and contributor of, of the show uh, and founder and frontman of Keystone State Reviews. Becoming a Patreon or financially supporting us through Anchor, Patreon, PayPal gets you perks like early episodes, exclusives, and shout outs at the beginning of every episode. And without further ado, let's get to the episode. Howdy y'all, Dan Scotland here joining you from Legal Grass, Massachusetts, the heartland of America. So for today's episode, we're going to be talking about um, some stuff in Minnesota. So the medical marijuana dispensaries are deemed essential services. So they're going to remain open during this pandemic. So I'm going to read some information from the governor of, of Minnesota. Um, you know how I feel about their program. I, I, I think like a lot of the other sort of Great Lakes states were um, like like um, Ohio, like New York, like, uh, you know, Pennsylvania. Um, a lot of these sort of Great Lakes states, they have these they have these very sort of restrictive programs. Like I know in Ohio, for example, um, they they limit the amount of licenses the whole state can have. I think I think it's capped at like forty something or whatever, and most of them have already opened. And you, don't you dare smoke your medicine, or they're going to kill your firstborn daughter or, or son. You know they don't they don't play and they don't they don't want you to smoke your medicine. Pennsylvania is pretty 
it's pretty similar too. You have a limited amount of growers. You have what essentially is an oligopoly where you just have a, a, a small amount of big players, you know, sort of limited licenses and, you know, these companies charging sort of highway robbery prices. Um, New York, you don't even have whole flour. So forget having flour, you can just quote unquote vape. Um, because Cuomo, when he created the program several years ago, believed that cannabis or marijuana was a, was a gateway drug. He wasn't in favor of, of any whole flour in the program. Um, and I don't, I don't see the lawmakers really, I mean, I, I know they can't really mount the effort now because there are more pressing priorities, but, you know, they weren't working as hard as they should have, in my estimation, to, to legalize whole flour. I mean, the Dems control all, all three branches of the government in New York. You know, there's they, they got control of the Senate, I believe, two years ago. So there's really no excuse for them to have not allowed whole flour yet. But, you know, here we are. So let me let's 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 get to what we made this episode for. So this is this from the state of Minnesota Executive Department from Governor Tim Walz. Emergency Executive Order 2026, ensuring continuing operations of the medical cannabis program during the COVID-19 peacetime emergency. I, Tim Waltz, Governor of the State of Minnesota, by authority vested in me by the Constitution and applicable statutes, issue the following executive order. The COVID-19 pandemic presents an unprecedented challenge to our state. Minnesota has taken pro proactive steps to ensure that we are ahead of the curve on COVID-19 prevention and response. On March 13, 2020, I issued Executive Order 2001 and declared a peacetime emergency because of the pandemic. An act of nature threatens the lives of Minnesotans. Local resources are adequate to address the threat. In Executive Order 2001, I directed all state agencies to submit proposed orders and rules to protect and preserve public health and safety. In Minnesota Statutes 2019, Section 1202, sub Division 1, the Minnesota legislature recognized the, the existing and increasing possibility of the occurrence of natural and other disasters in major size and destructiveness and conferred upon the governor the emergency and disaster powers provided in chapter 12 to ensure the preparations of the state will be ad adequate to deal with disasters, to, general, to generally protect the public peace, health, and safety, to preserve the lives and property of people of the state. Pursuant of Minnesota Statutes 2019, Section 12.21, as well as carry out provisions of Minnesota's Emergency Management Act. Pursuant to Subdivision 3 of the same section, the governor may make amend rescind the necessary orders and rules to carry out the provisions of the Minnesota Statutes 2019, Chapter 12. When approved by the Executive Council and filed in the Office of the Secretary of State, such orders and rules have the force and effect of law during the pre 
pedancy or pedacy of peacetime emergency. Any inconsistent rules or ordinances of any agency or political subdivision of the state are suspended during the pendency of emergency. Medical cannabis provides therapeutic and palliative relief to many of Minnesota's severely ill residents. Medical cannabis distribution facilities will continue to operate during this peacetime emergency. There are measures that will reduce the risk associated with COVID-19 to people and to the staff who work to make medical cannabis distribution facilities. COVID-19 is particularly dangerous for people with serious under underlying health conditions. To participate in Minnesota's medical cannabis program, a patient must have at least one of the qualifying medical conditions identified by the legislature and commissioner of health in Minnesota statutes 2019 section 152.22 subdivision 14 section 152.27 subdivision 2b these serious medical conditions put patients at greater risk for serious health events including serious health events related to COVID-19. Minnesota laws, however, require that the patients or their caregivers to leave their homes to pick up their medical cannabis in person at a distribution facility. Additionally, under Minnesota law, before a caregiver can pick up medical cannabis on behalf of a patient, a patient's health care practitioner must certify that the patient has a disability and requires assistance in obtaining medical cannabis from a distribution facility. During COVID-19 emergency, it is important for individuals with underlying health conditions to avoid leaving home as much as possible to lessen the likelihood of contracting or spreading COVID-19. Under the Minnesota Statutes 2019, Section 152.27, Subdivision 3, Section 152.30B, patients in the, in the medical cannabis program are required to maintain regular appointments and recertification appointments with their health care providers. Recommended pandemic mitigation measures include delaying visits to medical providers for routine administrative purposes to avoid contact with affected individuals and to lessen the burden on health care providers. For these reasons, I order as follows. In order to keep immunocompromised individuals at home to lessen the burden on busy healthcare providers during COVID-19 pandemic, medical cannabis enrollments that are scheduled to expire beginning March 30th, 2020, through seven days after the end of peacetime emergency declared by Executive Order 2001 and, ex and extended to expire August 1st, 2020, or 60 days after the end of peacetime emergency, whichever date is later. Patients are strongly encouraged to work with their providers to accomplish re-enrollment sooner than the expiration date set forth in the executive order. During the peacetime emergency declared in executive order, 20-01, the Commissioner of Health may permit a healthcare practitioner to certify a patient's medical condition after visit through video conference, telephone, or other remote means. Again, um, like I've mentioned in my person, in my um, in on the on the podcast Twitter feed, all of these regulations and all and all these medical marijuana states, they're all arbitrary. They're just made. They're just pulled from everyone's butt. There's no reason to have ever banned telemedicine um, with, when we're not going through this pandemic. Like I've, like I've mentioned in previous episodes, you know, a lot of these medical marijuana programs um, are, are used by our, 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 our elders. 
And and some people, when they get a certain age, you know, they lose their ability to safely safely operate a car. So in order to get from place to place, they got to rely on public transit. You know, they got to take Ubers. And if the physician that they want to get the card from is, let's say, 30, 40, 50 miles away, depending on what state they live in, they're having to not only eat the cost of getting the card, but then they're having that that elderly person, that disabled person, that person with, without access to their own transportation, they're having to factor in the cost of a round trip Uber and then the cost of the of, of getting the card, which is 150, 200 or more, that that's so they're spending 300, 400 just to get the card and just to physically show up because our leaders, our political leaders, whether they're boomers, whether they're early Gen Xers, whatever, the current crop of, of, of over 45 politicians. And again, I'm not I'm not saying all of them are like this. I'm not even saying my I'm not even saying those of you over that age that listen to this podcast are like this. But most of these politicians, they still think that Nancy Reagan and Ronald Reagan, if you know, if they're you know, if they're smoking a joint that they're going to that they're going to haunt them in their sleep and move things around their house as ghosts or you know they're going to they're going to they're they're going to show up as as reanimated ghosts um wagging their finger at them for using cannabis like this is the this is the mindset that most of our politicians you know, whether they're boomers, whether they're Xers, whether, you know, whether they're just people that haven't used since the 1970s, 80s, 90s or 60s. You know, it's still that sort of drug that they would use in college. They go watch a, a Grateful Dead concert or, 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 or um, a White Snake or whatever. And, you know, it's just something that you do in your young adult days and you stop doing that when you become a real adult with real responsibilities. This is the mindset that most of our politicians operate on. You know, they, they, they see, I mean, a lot of them, they see this, they see medical cannabis as a quote unquote fart you know as just an excuse to get high so they want to make it as red tape as possible you know oh you know well in california they, they give them out to people with, who, who stub their toes in the morning and it's too easy to get you know and it's just people who are deadheads who just want to buy the cannabis to go to concerts and and, and dick around and play video games all day um so we, we can't have it be too easy to get a card you know in my neighboring state of new Hampshire, they had this really restrictive law where um, you had to have a bona fide doctor-patient relationship. So if you go to the medical marijuana do um, doctor to get your card there, they're not going to give you the card in that one appointment. You have to see them for a prolonged period of time. You have to go through the motions for several months until they write you the card. You have to have that quote-unquote bona fide relationship so it doesn't... so you know, they're not giving out the cards willy-nilly or whatever. Um, you, you have that there. Um, thankfully, the the lawmakers and the lawmakers last year signed something, signed a law that is going to get rid of that bona fide relationship. So it's going to be more like a sort of regular program where you see the cannabis doctor, you give your, your, your papers, and then they make the judgment call if you if you qualify. So they're moving more towards that, which is good, but, you know, it's still very tyrannical. But 
the fact of the matter is our politicians still operate under the this is a drug you do this is a drug you stop at 22 23 24 25 you, you go you work in the real world you you pee into a cup and you know you you give up those things when you bring kids into the world you give up these things when you have a big boy career because otherwise this this is a deadhead drug that's going to ruin your life this is how our politicians still think sadly it's how they think um, again i'm not saying every one of them is like that i'm not even saying that these listeners on because i have pl- i have plenty of listeners over over the age of 40 that 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 think rationally and they don't have read for madness and and want to get this accessible in their neck of the woods i have plenty of listeners like that but our politicians so see this as a deadhead drug it must not be lost in us here as as as, as listeners and as patients that for the most part, they don't really have our interest in mind. And they make these arbitrary statues because they don't want people to have too easy of access to this. You know, they don't want to be like California where you can just get a card for stubbing your toe. Well, that's between the doctor and the patient. If the doctor thinks that that getting a medical canvas card to help that sub toe is going to help them and benefit them, that's 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 no one's business between that patient and that doctor or that nurse or that nurse practitioner. That's no one's business but those those parties involved. But these politicians want to play doctor and they want to play moral police and they want to just determine who's sick enough to get it or um, in what way they'll have to get it because they again they just see this as people using this as an excuse to get high and not not treat an actual medical problem you know my state has an arbitrary ban on 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 telemedicine for for get, being a new patient but now we're in this pandemic you know new patients can 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 do it over the phone now or they can do it through vi- video chat or whatever you can do that now but they're going but my 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 cannabis regulators they're they're saying that they're going to get rid of that as soon as this ends but again, this this that's because all the politicians in my state and the regulators in my state and the regulators all over this United States, they see this as a deadhead drug that you stop in your 20s and then you you give that up to raise children, to work a real job. And um, you're not supposed to be doing that after a certain age anymore. And if you're getting a card, you're most likely getting it as an excuse to continue your deadhead degenerate ways. You know, I hate to be so like um, so hyperbolic or whatever, but time and time again through covering these sort of things, that's the attitude I've seen from every single politician or from most of the politicians where, wherever I cover uh, cannabis w- within this country or wherever I, I talk about stories. That's the mindset, even in even in legal states. It's the mindset of these politicians. It's going to take, just like it took decades to demonize this drug, it's going to take decades for the truth to be brought to light and, and, and for the reefer mass to go away. It took decades for it to be created. It's going to take decades for it to go away. It just shows how arbitrary a lot of these laws are. You know, they're just doing this for the sake of doing this. But um, let me, let's, let's continue. 
under Minnesota statutes 2019, section 152.27, subdivision 3, and section 152.30b, patients in the medical cannabis program are required to maintain regular appointments and recertification appointments with their healthcare providers. Recommended pandemic mitigation measures include delaying visits to medical providers for routine or administrative purposes to avoid contact with infected individuals and to lessen the burden on healthcare providers. For the reasons, for these reasons, I order as follows: to keep immunocompromised individuals at home and to lessen the burden on busy healthcare providers during the COVID-19 pandemic. Medical cannabis patients enrollments that are scheduled to expire beginning March 31st, 2020, through seven days after the end of peacetime emergency declared in Executive Order 2001, are extended to expire on August 1st, 2020, or 60 days after the end of the peacetime emergency, whichever date is later. Patients are strongly encouraged to work with their providers to accomplish re-enrollment sooner rather than the expiration date set forth in the executive order. During the peacetime emergency declared in Executive Order 2001, the Commissioner of Health may permit a healthcare pro- practitioner to certify a patient's qualifying medical condition after visit through video conference, telephone, or remote means, and the requirement that the certification be made only after an in-person visit under Minnesota Rules 2019 Part 4770.4014 Subpart 2B1 is waived and suspended. Certifying health care providers or practitioners must still meet the applicable professional standards of care when certifying a patient's qualifying medical condition. The Office of Medical Cannabis is authorized to register emergency temporary caregivers to assist register patients in assessing medical cannabis for the duration of the peacetime emergency declared in Executive Order 20-01. For purposes of the Executive Order, a patient's diagnosis with a qualifying medical condition to obtain medical cannabis is presumed to satisfy the requirement in Minnesota Statutes 2019, Section 152.27, Subdivision 4, that a patient's health care practitioner certify the need for assistance from a caregiver in obtaining medical cannabis due to a disability. B, emergency temporary caregiver participation must be voluntary. C, the criminal background check requirement in Minnesota Statutes 2019, Section 152.27, Subdivision B, 4B, is suspended for emergency temporary caregivers. The requirement under Minnesota Statutes 2019, Section 152.27, Subdivision 4A3, that caregivers serve only one patient, is suspended. For the duration of the peacetime emergency declared in Executive Order 20-01, medical cannabis manufacturers registered with the state under Minnesota Statute 2019, Section 152.25, Subdivision 1, may use curbside pickup to dispense to patients or the registered caregivers. For the purposes of the executive order and notwithstanding the requirements in Minnesota Rules 2019 Part 4770.0700 Subpart 2, these manufacturers may dispense medical cannabis outside restrictive access areas after verifying a patient's identity and enrollment in the state medical cannabis registry, provided that the manufacturer and the patient or patient caregiver exchange cash in the medical cannabis in a designated zone that is close to the facility's front door as feasible. 
The manufacturer does not store medical cannabis outside the facility's restricted areas. Distribution site staff may transport medical cannabis from the restricted access areas only when they've confirmed that the patient or patient registered caregiver is in the designated zone for curbside pickup. For purposes of this executive order, the requirement under Minnesota Rules 2019 Part 4770.2 1750 subpart 2 and the Minnesota statutes 2019 section 15229 subdivision 3c4 that dispensing pharmacists consult with the patient or caregiver before the transaction may be satisfied and occur by video conference telephone or other remote means and in a manner that protects patient privacy d the manufacturer must immediately enter the transaction into the state medical cannabis registry it database staff who dispense the medical can cannabis to a patient or patient caregiver outside the distribution facility must take the cash into the facility immediately after each transaction. Security must be present for all curbside transactions. Security must include a closed circuit television, CCTV surveillance camera that is able to visually record transactions in the designated curbside soon. Five, compliance with Minnesota Statutes 2019, Chapter 152, and Minnesota Rules 2019, Part 4770, will prevent, hinder, or delay necessary action under this executive order, those provisions, and any other provisions in the Minnesota Statutes or Rules that are inconsistent with this executive order are waived and suspended during peacetime emergency declared in Executive Order 20-01. Pursuant to the Minnesota Statutes 2019, Section 4.035, Subdivision 2, Section 12.32. This executive order is effective immediately upon the approval by Executive Council. It remains in effect until peacetime emergency declared in Executive Order 20-01 is terminated or until it's rescinded by proper authority. The determination that any provision of the executive order is invalid will not affect the enforceability of any other provision of this executive order. Rather, the invalid provision will be modified to the extent it is necessary so that it is enforceable. Signed March 31st, 2020 from Tim Waltz, Governor Tim Waltz, filed under law, filed according to law by Steve Simon, Secretary of State, approved by Executive Council on March 31st, 2020 by Secretary Executive Council Alice Roberts slash Alice Roberts slash Davis. End of brief. End of the declaration. So there you have it, folks. More and more states are saying that this, the medical especially, is an essential service. And it is. It's it's like CVS. It's like Rite Aid. It's like Duane Reed. It's like Publix or whatever. You know, pharmacies are in your neck of the woods in the United States. It's 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 on par. We've come a long way. Um, this country has come a long way. Um, Ten years ago, this was still a California and a West Coast thing in terms of medical cannabis. Ten years ago or, or so. That, you know, it was still medical cannabis was still fringe. But now in 2020, in the midst of a global pandemic, 
this is considered essential services, like 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 food, like groceries, um, like hospitals, so on and so forth. This these are this is essential work. We've come such a huge way for 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 us to be considered a constitu- constituency that's essential to the economy. You know, we're, we still have Schedule One status, so there's still barriers. There's still BS around it, but. That's not. Let's not get it twisted. We we've really arrived now that the, the lawmakers are, are seeing this as essential. But um, if you're in Minnesota, um, I, I just wanted to sort of read that out so you guys have the information. And um, again, I don't want to keep this too long. We're closing in on almost 27 minutes. So as always, everyone, stay medicated, my friends. Peace out and ciao. If you find yourself coming around often to my podcast and want to support our humble little project, there are quite a few ways you could do so. Supporting us helps us keep the lights on, pay rent, pay for hosting, equipment, and travel. You can do this by going to https colon slash slash anchor dot fm slash i am canvas sativa podcast slash support you can also support me now on patreon at www.patreon.com slash ic sativa podcast you can support the podcast for as little as one dollar a month we also have a five dollar and above tier if you are feeling extra generous additionally if you wish to get in contact with us you can leave a voice message on anchor and you can do this by going to h https colon slash slash anchor dot fm slash i am canvas sativa podcast and click the send voice message button and i may just play it on a future episode you can also call and leave a voice message at 617-466-9389 and i may just play it on a future episode feel free to join the ever expanding i am canvas sativa podcast planet on discord we yes we've got a discord channel and that discord channel can be found at https colon slash slash discord dot gg greg greg slash 65TG2NR. Again, that is HTTPS colon slash slash discord dot GG slash 65TG2NR. Feel free to check out Sequoia Organics for a great source of CBD and hemp based products. You can check them out by the link HTTPS colon slash BIT dot LY slash 33FKRV. And you can enter the following coupon codes for extra discounts, such as Dog Treat 20, Tincture 20, 40% sign off ISO, 15% sign off CBD. And that applies to the entire store. And if you're in Northeast New England and you're in Eastern Massachusetts, especially, or or, um, Southern New Hampshire or Southern Maine, then you can get some great and inexpensive CBD flour delivered directly to your door very quickly. And you can do this by going to https colon slash slash shop dot boston empire dot com slash question mark ref equals d scotland. And as always, everyone, stay medicated, my friends. Peace out and ciao. Howdy, y'all. Dan Scotland here, joining you from Legal Grass, Massachusetts, heartland of America. So if you're if you're hearing this right now, um, if you're listening to this right now, um, you know, um, 
I'm probably sort of fighting for my life right now. Um, whether it's from COVID-19 or it's from other things, but, um, yeah, so I'm hoping I never have to release this episode, but with the way things are, are, are well, the way things are, are happening now and with, with so many people dying from this virus, you never know. You just never know. And, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't do an episode like this, so I'm gonna do it. Um, you know, um, so many people are dying from this, um, you know, people with, with pre-existing conditions like asthma, which I have, um, you know, I, it's not, I don't have it year round or anything, but it's, it tends to sort of flare up during the, the allergy season and particularly, um, late April, late April and all, all of May pretty much. I, I tend, I tend to get it, you know, it's not every allergy season, but there are times where it gets so bad where, you know, I'm coughing all night, you know, um, I, I have trouble breathing and, you know, they have to put me on some sort of steroids to, to ease, ease the pain and ease the problem. And, um, you know, they'd have to put me on steroid pills, but, um, as of two years ago, um, when my, my doctor diagnosed me with asthma or whatever, um, I, I mean, I, th- I think I've had it like my whole life, but, I I only really got the diagnosis like two years ago where they gave me a rescue inhaler and then an inhaler with steroids. So, you know, so I wouldn't have, so I wouldn't be taking the pills or whatever. But traditionally, there'd be years I'd have to take, it'd be almost like a yearly ritual where I'd have to take these very powerful steroids to bring down the inflammation and whatnot. But, um... But yeah, I mean, I'm like, I, I mean, I have people in my family that are, that are elderly and that are immunocompromised due to some of the, due to the autoimmune conditions that they have. So I'm, I don't, I'm not even going to pretend I'm the most sort of vulnerable out there, but you know, there is a scenario that this can take me out. So that has to be addressed, but, um, or, or something else can take me out. Who knows? Who knows? You never know. But, um, but I've always, I've always been into media and sort of journalism. Um, I started that way as from, I would, I want to say most of my life. Um, you know, my dad always like listened to talk radio and stuff. So I've always gained a penchant for sort of wanting to engage people and stuff and wanting to sort of speak my opinions, you know, um, yeah, so he would have on, like, um, like in the 90s when the show was still on, real, politically incorrect with Bill Maher, like, he, he used to work, like, 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 um, I'm trying to think, I think he worked, like, I think he worked, I think he worked, like, second shift or something like that. And he would get back at like eleven, twelve at night, where when when um politi- politically incorrect was on the air, and 
you know, when I would go downstairs to use the bathroom after going to bed or whatever, I mean, I was pretty young, but I would, I would see, I would see that on and he'd be, he'd be watching it like clockwork and he, he never missed, um, he never missed, um, this week with George Stephanopoulos or whatever. And, um, always, always had that, always had that on. And, um, you know, um, when my, when my parents were still together, like, even though my mom isn't as politically engaged or whatever, like, they would both have it on, and they would be, you know, eating breakfast, like, in the living room, like, that, that, it would be tradition as, like, 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 I would always see that as, like, a little kid, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I've always been into media, like, you know, since maybe fifth or sixth grade, I liked, I like writing, I like writing persuasive essays, and then, you know, when I got to, to high school, uh, I, I joined the newspaper, I joined the school newspaper, and I did the very same in college, but I took on even more roles in college with, with regards to media and journalism, um, I, I was a journalism major my first two years, uh, I worked for the I, I, I did production work for the Daily Collegian or the Massachusetts Collegian at, at UMass Amherst. So I did some production work. So, you know, like like from 11 at night or 10 at night to about maybe 3-ish in the morning, that's that that's when the that's when newspapers that's how or that's when my newspaper at that time the collegian they you know we would gather all the articles from the day you know and if we were missing articles you know we'd have to use that crunch time to to fill the gap and with the content and then you know we would just use our indesign template our Adobe InDesign template, and then we would we would put all the texts as as such on the on on the screen, and you know put all the images, and uh, you know if 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 one article or whatever was too long or too short, we would have to sort of shift things around so the screen real estate or the paper real estate looked looked like it should. You know, there's a lot of stuff that goes into producing a paper. Um, before you, there's a lot of stuff you have to do before you send it to the publisher, but you do have to, you do have to, you do have to plan this out, you know, um, and, you know, a lot goes into making a paper so it's ready for publication at five, or is re or by the time you wake up in the morning to get, get started on your day, um, by the time by the time you're ready to do that five six seven in the morning the the paper is already there but a lot goes into sort of making it so that paper is there for you um and i i learned a lot about that during my my sort of six five six month internship with the paper it was it was fun i learned a lot and i i went on to then um take on a a internship during my during the summer of my junior year, yeah, the summer of my junior year, where I, I worked for a sort of media consulting company in Boston, where, you know, he he's like a professional journalist and in, in writer, um, John Wilpers. I, I ended up doing some work for him, and um, 
and he, he's a Twitter influencer too, to a certain degree too. And, um, so, you know, we, we had a, like, like he has a, he has to recruit bloggers, you know, writers and, you know, sort of bring, bring them together for various projects. And it was up to us to, you know, we were assigned specific niches and we had to look for the best writers within those niches. And, um, I was able to sort of, I was able to sort of do that and gain experience. Um, I, I sort, I sort of got a crash course in how Twitter worked, um, back then. I mean, cause prior, prior to that, I thought Twitter was just for tracking celebrities. You know, I, I heard of Twitter in like the mid to late two thousands when it was, when it was in its early sort of stages and it was still in its infancy. But I, I just thought it was a useless celebrity tracking tool, you know? Like, wh why why use the Twitters or whatever when you can just watch Access Hollywood or you can just watch Extra or you can just watch TMZ or whatever? Like, what's what's the point of that? It's I thought Twitter was kind of redundant, you know, in, in the sort of mid to late 2000s until I, I took on that internship. And even in even in college too, like my freshman year, just just before that internship, like um, the 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 front runner of of our newspaper, who he, he's now he's now a pretty big journalist now, um, and he has like a blue check, but um, he was saying that Twitter is wicked important. That you know he was saying he was telling us this in two thousand and nine. Um, I mean, now he has, he has a blue check and he's a very, very skilled journalist now. And he was a skilled journalist then, but the, the, the head of the sort of paper was telling us that we needed to, to get keyed up on Twitter. We needed to learn how to use hashtags. We needed to really know social media from top to bottom, you know, because it was the future and it, and, and it is the future. We're in 2020 now in in the midst of this pandemic and you know this twitter thing's still alive and kicking so i mean i learned a lot about that through that intern through um through that internship i took on and um i learned a lot about like operating wordpress as well too and um in, in the years following I, I had my various wordpress projects whether it was a technology blog or whether it was a blog about TV, um, which I started with my best friend, which we, we had this sort of TV blog, which was fun. Um, and then I parlayed some of the work I did with that, um, to start my own sort of book, reviewing books, talking about pop culture, talking about whatever, you know, and I kept that blog going from 2013 to 2016. Um, I, I, I made at least one blog post, uh, a week until, um, for, for a good three years. And, um, you know, I kind of had a period where I wasn't doing that much journalism from 2016 until this podcast started. You know, I was, I, I did submit a, uh, article for one of my friend's papers about, about cannabis when, they rescinded the Cole memo in 2017, and um, I did, I did try to apply to 
to become a science writer. I, I tried to apply to MIT's program to write about cannabis and how it could sort of help the opioid crisis or how it can be used to treat debilitating illnesses like attention deficit disorder and, and, and anxiety and what have you. I wanted to sort of do some scientific research in, on that, but... Um, you know, I ended up going to, and trying to take the GRE, but I didn't. I didn't end up getting into MIT because you know it's MIT is really it's a re, it's a really big and elite institution. There's a, there was a lot of smarter people than myself that applied. So, um, so so there's that. You know, maybe I could have done my essay a lot better. Maybe maybe I could have made it more about how I how you know i was going to add value to mit if i were to be picked or whatever i don't know maybe that's maybe that's the route i should have gone instead of instead of getting personal or whatever who knows i don't whatever but but um but it's kind of like how people said oh my god occupy wall street was a failed movement it was just people yelling and complaining about the one percent versus the 99 but it wasn't really a failed movement if you think about it because you know i think occupy when started like maybe 20 i want to say it started 2011 ish and then went on to 2012 and you had the cops and, and the obama administration cracking down really hard on it but you know, just a few years later, um, all that energy was 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 put into the Bernie Sanders movement, and and um, now you have three three um, o- three Occupy Wall Street sort of politicians now. You have three progressives. Three, you have the squad now, pretty much. Um, you know, it did have a real outcome. It did have a tangible outcome. You have, you had Bernie who, in twenty sixteen, won like twenty two or twenty three states when he wasn't projected to win any. You know, um, I remember in twenty fifteen where when Bernie announced, and he was he was seen seen as very very fringe then. I I had a I had a therapist that like joked that about. I remember him cracking jokes about how dumb Bernie was or whatever back then and you know a lot of people saw him as a fringe socialist that that had no chance in center-right America but you know even in states he lost um this year in 2020 everyone agrees with him on the issues like even in Mississippi people wanted Medicare for all you know so so the long-winded point I'm trying to make is sometimes things seem like they're failures at first, but then you take the things you learn from 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 that experience and then you parlay that into something else. You know, so my my failed attempt to sort of apply to become a science science writer at MIT or to be or to go into science writing, that got parlayed into this podcast. You know, um we we took that energy and excitement for for cannabis and um 
its medical properties, and we we parlay that into a news podcast. We parlay that into a podcast that talks about how it can help with various conditions. You know, we're we're over six hundred and something episodes strong now, and you know, it, it's really humbling how how um it's humbling how how much we've grown and how how big our podcast has gotten we get over 2000 listens per month um we get listeners from over 40 to 50 countries at this point and growing and we have um 48 states represented um and thank you thank you very much north dakota for joining the fold too we 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 see you and we love you we love all our listeners but i i never envisioned that this podcast would ever get this big i never envisioned having people from 40 45 or so countries or at least 40 countries because i counted it Uh, I, i don't know the exact number but it's over 40 I know for certain, but it's, it's, it's astonishing or I don't, okay. Astonishing is not the best word, but it's, 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 it's so humbling when you, you find how many people care about what you have to say or how many people take time out of their days to listen to what you have to say. And I, I want to thank all you listeners for supporting me over, over the years and, taking time out to to be part of this project to make cannabis accessible nationwide and ultimately worldwide for for everyone for average flipping people you know i, I want to thank everyone that's been a part of this amazing project um but yeah i mean i've i've always lived to want to do media and want to express myself through words through speeches through um advocacy whatever i've always that's always been in my dna um and you know if you know and if you're listening to this i'm I'm again i'm probably fighting for my life right now but you know i wanted to sort of leave all of you guys with parting words and um thank you from the bottom of my heart for for making this podcast what it is Every one of you have have made an impact on my life, whether you knew it or you don't. But all of you have by taking the very time to do to to listen to this podcast and tell your friends and tell your family about it and tell your coworkers whatever. Um, you know, if 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 I'm taken out by this virus, you know this 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 podcast is going to be in the interwebs forever, and you always have sort of a way to remember to remember me or to remember the aims of this podcast and hopefully you can take what i'm trying to do and expand upon it and 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 try to tell other people about what cannabis can do to 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 help save some lives or what it can do to help improve people's lives if they have an Ill, a debilitating illness you know they they don't have to be slaves to the pharmaceutical companies they don't have to put these dangerous drugs with god knows how many side effects but um but we need all hands on deck and in, in making this accessible for regular people so even even if i'm gone um the fight must continue um it, it, it must and 
I think I think that's about it. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, that's about it. I don't think I have too much more to add. But if you're listening to this, thank you very much. Um, continue to sort of spread the message of, of making cannabis accessible in your neck of the woods. And um, peace out. Thanks. Howdy, y'all. Dan Scotland here, joining you from Legal Massachusetts, the heartland of America. So for today's uh, story, we're going to be talking, like, I feel like it would be malpractice and it would be uh, irresponsible for for me to not talk about this. Um I mean, Dan Scotland, my, my last, my last name, my, my namesake or whatever. Um, so Scotland, the country, they're going to be moving forward with their first cannabis farm. So I'm going to give a shout out to my namesake country. So this article is from Cannabis Industry Journal. Scotland moves forward with its first cannabis farm. My by Margaret Arnold, the village of Langholm, known locally as Muckletoon, with its first descendant being Neil Armstrong, the first man in the moon, is going to get another first. Namely, it will be the location of the first Scottish cannabis farm. I oh man, I'm I like this I like this next line. Father and son entrepreneurs William and Neil see what they did there. I, I, then so the so the father and son um, entrepreneurs, and then there's a, another Neil that's going to be the first pioneer of this. So this is this is awesome. So father and son entrepreneurs Will, William and and Neil Ewert, who also own an agricultural farm raise Angus cattle and have a racehorse stable have obtained permission to produce enough cannabis to create 200 liters of oils a year. All right, so if you live in Scotland, I mean, I would appeal to your lawmakers and your your members of parliament to to let you have whole flour. Like, I mean, it's great that you guys have medical and that you guys are going to you guys going to have a shot of um of um, getting medical to your citizens, but like like I've said in my podcast, like I've said in previous podcasts, there needs to be as much forms of this for medicine as possible. There's no one size um, fits all, um, and 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 most importantly, oils like like you know tinctures, you know the vape carts, all that. Those are usually way more expensive than flour, and you don't get as much bang for your for your cash too, and. Um, you know, like I go to my like when when I was a patient in my state, um, the the tincture like let's say like a like a one week supply is like fifty dollars for me, fifty to seventy dollars. Times that by four, that's 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 a car payment here in the states. You know, that's you know I, I've I've had car payments that were two two hundred ish or so, and I, you know and. Like when I've leased cards, like that's that's been my average car payment around that. You know that that adds up. Um, I mean, I don't know how much. I don't know how much how many like like euros or pounds sterling. You know, a month it's going to be for you guys. But 
like the oil form or the process form it's that 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 adds up man and you know a lot of other like states were in in the u.s where you're only allowed to have oils or, or, or topicals or pills or whatever they're some of the most expensive states for medical marijuana like my neighboring state of new york you can only have um topicals pills oils um lozenges um and then the vape carts um it's so expensive like i've I've looked at their dispensaries i've looked at how much the oils are and like you know you you'd spend a small fortune on, on this stuff so definitely definitely keep the fight going so you guys can have um whole flour that you can smoke that you can vaporize and so on and so forth the production facility is also expected to employ about 50 people from scientists to growers and IT staff. However, this is just the beginning. Despite being given planning per permission, the Eberts will now have to apply for a license to actually produce medical cannabis. Reform marches reform in the UK marches on. At present, British patients are in one of the toughest situations anywhere cannabis reform has ostensibly started to happen. Domestic production, in other words, is vitally needed part of British reform. The UK has moved forward with cannabis reform in fits and starts. One step forward, several steps back in the last several years. Late last year, a full year after the drug was approved for prescription, in an abrupt change, cannabis was denied to everyone but epilepsy and MS patients suffering from nausea due to chemo treatments. Um, nice or nice, I, I, don't, I don't know what the pronunciation is. The agency in the UK who sets domestic product policies shamefully excluded chronic pain patients. Yikes. Yeah, they do. They play this game in the U.S. Like I, I've, I've talked about this in various episodes, where these sort of lawmakers, you know, um, they still listen to what um, Tricky Dick Nixon. They still listen to what Ronald Reagan told them. These lawmakers are fifties, sixties, and seventies and older. You know, they grew up, you know, in the in the seventies, eighties. Where the where reefer madness was at at its peak, and where you know just say no was at at its peak, where after school specials were at its peak, and you know Maggie Thatcher was telling you to just say no or whatever, like that's still etched into their brains. They still think that like they still think that Maggie Thatcher or whatever, or any of these anti drug warriors or any of these you know these 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 politicians that told them it was evil. They still think that they're gonna that they're gonna rise from the dead and then like strangle them in their sleep or whatever. Like it's like it's just this pathological dislike of of the drug. It's just this oh I haven't done it since my college days and the in or my university days in like the seventies or whatever. And uh, you know I, I I stopped doing it. I got I got a r- real career as a politician. You know I I I have a family. I have my two point five kids. I have my doggies. I have all that stuff. I haven't done it and i and because you know these politicians told me that it's for degenerates and people that just that just play video games and just do nothing all the time and don't have any ambition because they told me that and because i take that as gospel and i hold the plan i hold the people that use it in contempt 
I I'm only going to vote for the most restrictive programs and I'm only going to I'm only I'm I'm not going to allow a lot of people to have access to it because they're just going to use it to have fun and do nothing. That's 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 their perception around this world. That's what most of the, of the politicians we have right now are like. You know, throughout the world we have to drain the swamp, you know? We have to get new blood. We have to get new we have to get the newer generations in in the game in, in politics. Because, you know, I mean, again, I mean, I'm not saying every, I'm not saying every person over 50 or 60 is like that. And I'm sure, like, like my diverse audience, you, like, if you're listening to this Canvas podcast, you're, you know, you, you think rationally, you're not the people I'm blasting now. But, you know, the, the people that do think like this, they have a lot of power in our governments, you know, and we have to we have to we have to vote we have to step up and we have to get rid of all of these people one by one and and let in some new blood and again there are some older people that are were, were against cannabis and were politicians but then they heard what their constituents were saying and their constituents kept talking to them about it and then they listened and did their jobs again i don't like i've like i don't expect my paul like it's okay my politicians hate 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 this as a medicine and thinks it sucks. They don't have to like it. But they do have to go accord they do have to follow the will of the people. You know, they do have to listen to their constituents because they work for they work for their constituents and not the other way around. As 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 the voting public, we are their boss, you know? We're their boss we it's it's up to us to set demands for them it's up to us to to show what issues we think are priorities and to nudge them in that direction and it's like work like if you don't do what your boss tells you to do you're not going to have that job anymore if our politicians don't do what we tell them to do they should not have their jobs as politicians anymore we pay their bills we are their managers okay if they don't deliver the results we want, we can fire them, just like in the real world where bosses can do that to you. I really do think we have to get a youth project, and we have to we have to get rid of these politicians that are like, oh, well, we can't have everyone getting it, or we have to only make it so epilepsy or chronic pain people can have it, and everyone else can kick rocks. We have to get rid of all these politicians responsible for that, for that mindset. All right, but let's continue. This is despite the fact that the, the there are chronic pain patients in the UK who had received prescriptions for cannabis after the law changed in 2018. Not to mention the fact that this is a subset of patients, that this subset of patients represents the largest percentage of people prescribed the drug in every jurisdiction from Colorado to Canada. Those who have qualifying conditions now must find a doctor to prescribe. Still, no easy task. If GW Pharmaceuticals products, Epidiolex and Sativex, do not work, patients must then import the drug at great expense from overseas. Even though this importing process has gotten significantly easier in the last months, supplies are still highly expensive imports from elsewhere, especially Holland and Canada. This runs at a minimum of a thousand dollars a month. Wow! So that's like that's like five car payments or so. Like yeah, that's like five car payments in like the states. I mean, I don't know what that thousand translates to in in in, in U.S. money, but like 
thousand dollars that's like wow that's like again that's that's five car payments it's like as like a car payment for like a like a flipping um what's the name i'm trying to think it's like that's like a car payment for like a like a high price luxury car i'm guessing like if i were to buy like a if if someone were to buy like a like three hundred or four hundred thousand dollar car or something like that. Like I would imagine that's like what your payments would be. I don't know. Just I'm I'm just rambling again the weeds right here. Domestic production, in other words, is see, and this is why and this is why these lawmakers should legalize home grow. If if they're feel if 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 the industry in the UK is, is hinging on imports and then it's expensive for these companies to make and it's expensive for the customers to buy just let people grow their own their own medicine let 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 them grow their own in their flat let them grow their own in their house let them grow their own in their garden and 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 I would even take it a step further where in Thailand they like they not only let you grow your own but in Thailand they let you sell to the um medical pharmacies and dispensaries so you can make you can make some profit, you know, and you can sell to other patients in need. Like that's what should be allowed in the UK. So people are not forking over a thousand dollars a month they don't got. Domestic production, in other words, is vitally needed in part of British reform. It is also seen increasingly as a high-value crop that can be exported elsewhere. Time will tell if the expensive British labor market can compete with product grown in Europe, in places like Spain, Portugal, and Greece. So far, the UK has lagged behind Germany, which itself went... Yeah, because Germany, they're like powerhouses at this stuff from what I've been... from the stuff I've been looking at. So far, the UK has lagged behind Germany, which itself went through a torturous and expensive process to not only approve its first cultivation bid but is also now in the process of lowering prices the first german grown cannabis is likely to hit pharmacy shelves by the third or fourth quarter of 2020 don't expect any cannabis exports to the uk at least for now however as there is not enough domestically cultivated german product to even serve existing german patients an Aberdeen clinic plans to be the first Scottish private facility to prescribe. As of mid-February, the privately run Sapphire Medical Clinics announced plans to become the first Scottish private medical clinic to prescribe cannabis. The facility will require a referral from a general practitioner. This has so far not been popular with the National Health Service, the NHS. Some administrators have expressed concern that the process will result in doctors using their time to funnel patients into private health care to receive treatments not available or recognized by the NHS. That said, Sapphire has pointed out that approximately 1.4 million patients in the UK have few other options beyond the black market. Cannabis reform, in other words, is clearly inching forward in British Isles. One cultivation facility and prescribing clinic at the time. End of article. So there you have it, folks. Um, congratulations in Scotland. Um, hopefully you guys in Scotland and in the UK as a whole can push for 
a real sort of canvas program that includes whole flower, um, that includes um, home grow, that includes um, prices a lot cheaper than a thousand bucks a month. Um, I'm rooting for you guys here in, in the states. Um, I I know you can do it. I know that you guys can could push for better like we're pushing um know that you're not alone in this sort of fight and this struggle and you know you have resources like me you have resources like um like um resources like like folks in the in 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 canada and other other podcasters other activists in the in the u.s you know other podcasters or activists or um you know sort of movers and shakers in australia i mean you have people from all over the world i mean we're we're all in this together we can all combine heads to get you know cannabis for average trains average shows and regular ass people so I'm, I'm just gonna leave this here um i i hope you guys got a lot out of this peace out ciao and stay medicated my friends howdy y'all dan scotland here joining you from legal grass Massachusetts, the heartland of america so for today's episode, I am reviewing some CBD keef that I've gotten from Horn Creek Hemp Company out in Oregon. Um, this is part of the uh, sort of uh, series of their products that I'm going to be reviewing. Um, there's going to be more coming in the next few days and or weeks depending on my schedule but um we have a lot of their products which i'm 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 loving their products all of them so far um we have a lot of them that we're going to be reviewing so again you gotta stay tuned you gotta be in the lookout but today we are reviewing their uh their cbd keef which is their special sauce strain on um horn creek hemp company so I, I I loaded it into my vaporizer. I I mixed it with T1. Um, T1 is one of my favorite uh, daytime CBD strains because it has really high like orangey citrus uh, pr- profile, which I, tends to tends to gel really well for me during the day. As Tangy is one of my favorite uh, daytime strains, it's my favorite sativa and. You know, it's very high in that sort of sort of mercine bomb, so to speak, and, and citrus. But I'm getting that with the T1, but that um, but T1 was not from them. But I I mixed the their special sauce keef with that, and what I found is that it elevated the the t1 strain and it complemented it perfectly like i'm feeling some body effects right now off special sauce because special sauce is more of an indica so i i put more indica than the actual sort of flower but um but yeah i mean the hash is just the i mean the in the the keef is just so it's, it's so on the money um it's very sort of um, it, it it's, has a very sort of earthy sort of smell, but you know it's a fresh earthiness to it, and um, it's you could tell they made it from the best sort of flower, and that they put love and care into it because it's it's a really really impressive, really dank, really you know powerful stuff when you put it in the vape. It's a it's a very sort of smooth taste. Um, you, you you really get a lot out of the 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 keef. Um, 
although special sauce is an indica, I mean, depending on what you mix it with or, um, or, or whatever, depending on what CBD or even THC strain you mix it with, it'll depend on what you get. But you are getting concentrated CBD from the keef, which is amazing. And, um, it's very, very calming. It's very sort of mellowing and, um, you know, it's it's very sort of good for anxiety. Um, special sauce leans towards the indica side, from what I've read, and uh, I am sort of feeling those effects where it's sort of a body sort of effect, but I'm still uh, my mind's still very sharp. Like um, like take like taking most of the CBD strains because again, CBD is no is a uh, non intoxicating, but it is psychoactive if that makes sense. Um, it's not going to get you high, but um, it is changing your mind state. But um, but yeah, I mean, I would highly recommend checking out Horn Creek Com- Company's uh, Keef. Um, I don't know what strains they have right now, but I mean, I'm I'm loving every little bit that I that I had. I'm, I'm loving the flavor. I'm loving the aroma. I'm loving you know, the, the texture, the texture isn't as fine as their CBG one, which is completely, you know, sort of lump free and, you know, grounded up and just like smooth. I mean, maybe that's just the nature of CBG. I don't know, but, but, um, but yeah, I would highly recommend checking out their Keef and we're going to be reviewing more of their products. So stay tuned. Peace out. Ciao. And stay Medicaid, my friends. Thank you.